You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. I've actually been pretty eager to preach uh, about since yesterday when I had it all finished and uh, uh, went over to uh, Brother Matt's house and I offered to preach it then and there, but he, he de- politely declined. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we're, what we're going to be talking about tonight is this is part two of a three-part series that started the last time I was up here. Uh, it was a series that I'm calling Life Skills for the Growing Christian. And so just as a reminder, those three, there were three of them. There's three skills. We did part one last time. And that was, the first one was the ability to see yourself. And that one, we uh, it was titled, Who Can Understand His Errors? In case you missed that, you can go back in the live stream and, and check that out. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about the ability to measure your words. And... Uh, kept the title simple, Brother James, Measure Your Words. So, and then... Uh, Lord willing, if we get another chance to preach, uh, then we'll be doing the third part of the series, and that is the power to refrain from projecting. We'll talk more about that uh, later. But I want us to begin with a simple verse. Go ahead and turn to James chapter 3. Let's stand when we find that. James chapter 3. We'll, explain, we'll expand on this later also as we go, but it introduces a, a very simple goal that we should all have. And it's just one verse for right now. James chapter 3, verse 2. It says this, the Bible says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, come to you humbly this evening, Lord, just wanting to hear from you, Lord. And Lord, I pray you be with me uh, as I... Uh, share your word, Lord, as you've shown it to me. Share it with your people, Lord. Pray that it can be a help uh, to those who hear it, Lord, and to those who apply it, uh, most especially, Lord. Uh, help us always, Lord, to be not just hearers of the word, but doers as well. And Lord, we just uh, pray you bless the rest of this evening, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit have reign over all that's said and done. Work on people's hearts, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So the verse says, for in many things we offend all, and then it gets specific, right? Um, But it says, if any man offend not in word. That's a goal, I think, that we would all want to have, not to offend people with the words that we say. And as I was going over this, as I was reading it, I was was reminded of the musical My Fair Lady. How many of you have seen that, My Fair Lady? When uh, Professor Higgins, when he's talking about the average Englishman, and he says... He says, the moment he talks, he makes some other Englishman despise him. And, uh, of course, in the play, now he was talking about accents then and how people just get annoyed by certain accents or the things that they hear. But in a larger sense, he's speaking to human nature. And uh, both the propensity to offend uh, with the words that we speak and also the tendency to be offended uh, by the words that we hear, by the words that we use with each other. Now, this verse that we just read is from what uh, is commonly known as the Great Tongue chapter, which is James chapter 3. And uh, we will look at more of it as we proceed. 
But the Bible here states that we have a tendency to offend in word by the things that we say. And furthermore, it states that if we could just get that under control, uh, we would be more mature Christians. The Bible says a perfect man, meaning a mature man, a developed and mature Christian. We would become Christians also that have mastery over our entire being as well. And so one of the reasons we would want to be careful um, with our words, why we should develop the ability to measure our words, is of course to avoid offending our fellow man. However, there are other reasons, and hopefully we will see that as we go through this lesson. Now, here's the thing, there's a lot of different ways to approach this, and just like last time in the last segment that I, that, that I uh, preached, I think it would be a waste of time, because we, we only have a short amount of time, so it would be a waste of time right now to go through every single scenario, every single situation, right? Um, critiquing and analyzing uh, each instance and evaluating each phrase that we might say, and, say, and how can we say that better, okay? Um, we could do that, but the thing is, this is not like a, I mean, if this was like an eight-hour workshop, right, and we could break out into our focus groups, right, and stuff like that, then we could probably do that. Uh, but it's, it's not a seminar, it's a sermon. Um, so we don't have time to really do that. Um, so instead, if I'm telling you, you need to measure your words, Christians, right, then the best thing I can do for you is to give you the tools by which you can measure your words, right? What are you measuring for? By what standard can a man rightly consider and anticipate and focus the impact of his words? So I want to start by asking a question, and that is, what does God expect of us? And specifically, what does God expect of us when we talk to him? We'll start from there. This is, will be our starting point. So turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 23. We're going to be doing a lot of Bible flipping, so some oil on your fingers or whatever you got to do, but we'll be doing a lot of flipping. Deuteronomy chapter 23. Say amen if you're there. Woo. All right. Starting in verse 21, if you just want to follow along, I'm going to read 21 through 23. It says this. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. That which is gone out of thy lips shalt thou keep and perform, even a freewill offering according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. So, several things here, right? First of all, God expects you to keep your word. Amen? It's good to make decisions for the Lord, okay? It's good to make decisions for the Lord. It's good to have convictions. However, before you make a vow, consider that the Lord takes your vows very seriously, and He expects you to perform them. And the Bible even says that it's not a sin not to vow, okay? I mean, you can make a resolution, um, you can have a conviction, and refraining from making a vow is not in and of itself a sin. Now, that's not to give you 
a cop-out later on down the road, right? Like, well, I didn't promise the Lord. So, you know, that's not why that's there. But rather, it's to keep you from committing a gross sin, which is to make a vow to the Lord and then break it. And it uses this phrase, that which has gone out of thy lips. In other words, whatever comes out of your mouth, right? Understand, right, that your words are binding. Any words that you speak to the Lord or in relation to the Lord um, are binding. One of the great compliments that a man can receive, right, is he's a man of his word, right? Or even, or even a lady. She's a, she's a woman of her word. He's a man, he's a man of his word. I mean, he's a man who means what he says, sticks to what he says, is bound by what he says, Okay. And so one of the things that you can be absolutely sure of is that God is a God of his word. Whatsoever he says, he will do. And so if he is so gracious as to grant you an audience with him, and he does when you pray, then he expects the same of you. Agreed? All right, turn to Matthew chapter 12 now. We'll look at a passage here. And now here we're going to see, this is the Lord Jesus speaking in this one. Matthew chapter 12, we're going to read verses starting in verse 36. Flip, flip, flip. I think most of us are there. All right. Okay, so starting in verse 36. This, again, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account of thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So here, like we said, Jesus is speaking. And what he's saying is that we will be judged for our idle words. What are idle words, right? Those are words that we don't really mean. Words that we know are lies. Words that serve no useful purpose. Words that are spoken out of anger or fear. Um, curse words. Right? Um, you ever wonder why, why is it called, when you're using curse words or swear, why is it called swearing? You remember, it used, or at least it used to be called that. Why, why is it called swearing? Because it's an oath. It comes out of your mouth, especially when you take the, the name of the Lord in vain. You know what I'm talking about. That comes out of your mouth. That's an oath. That is swearing. So when we stand before the Lord in judgment, all of our idle words will be reviewed one by one, especially the ones that we use towards God. Now that's all, you know, kind of on the negative side, but let me, let me demonstrate, right, the binding power of words as they are spoken to God. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10. This will be a, a very familiar passage. Romans chapter 10. And you should recognize this uh, passage as part of the Romans road if you're familiar with the Romans road. Starting in verse 9, and it says this, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So here we see then, right, when we call out to the Lord, putting our trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, you can rest assured that He takes those words very seriously as well. He honors those words according to His promise and according to His grace, and He saves us. Amen. So, that's when we speak to the Lord, right? Um, question, though, 
Does God hold us to the same standard when it comes to the words we speak to each other? It's a good question. It's a good question. Um, but before we answer that, let's look at a warning, right? Let's look at the warning, though, in God's word. Let's go back to James chapter 3. We're going to look a little bit more, look at a little bit more of that chapter and see what it says. James chapter 3. Now, we already read verse 2, but I'm going to go ahead and read it again. Give you a little more time. It says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And then it gives examples, right? It says, Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us. We turn about their whole body. So it's giving you the picture of the horse, right? The little bit that, that's, that they put into the horse. The horse is a massive creature, but just that little bit, they tie the reins to it, little hook, and like that you're able to turn the whole horse um, to and fro, right? And we understand that. And then verse 4, it says, Behold also the ships, which though they be great, are, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Again, giving us an illustration, right? Um, especially a, a sailing ship, right? The sp sailing ships of the time could, could um, they, they were large, they could, they could uh, hold many tons of uh, cargo, and you think about the size of a ship, right, and compared to its rudder, right, it's very small, very small. And yet that whole ship gets turned around just with that rudder. And so what is it talking about here, though? It's talking about the tongue. Look here in verse 5. It says, even so, just like the examples that it just gave you, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter of little fire uh, little, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Now here's the warning. It says in verse 6, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. This is no exaggeration. The Bible, it's, it's here in the Bible for our warning. Moving on in verse 7, it says, For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. By the way, you notice not, none of those things speak. None of those things use their tongue for speech. I mean, the one time a serpent spoke, right? Look at what happened, right? So anyway, um, but it says, All these animals are tamed of mankind, right? But there in verse 8, it says, But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Now see the contradiction that it speaks in the next two verses. In verse 9 it says, Therewith we bless we God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. There's a contradiction um, found in how we use our tongue. The same tongue that we use to bless God, we use to curse men or bad drivers or whatever the case may be, right? So by these scriptures, we can, con we can conclude of, uh, several things, I believe. First of all, that the tongue is a very dangerous instrument to wield unwisely. Number two, even the wise have trouble using it. Number three, 
we should probably use it as little as possible. And number four, God considers it a gross sin to bless the name of God with the same tongue that we use for cursing, especially our fellow man. Now let's look at another uh, passage very quickly. Matthew, we were just there, Matthew chapter 12. We're going to look at the two verses prior to the ones that we just read. Matthew chapter 12. That's just how it is when I preach, y'all. It's like sword drills, you know, just go, go. All right. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, starting verse 34, it says this. And again, this is the Lord Jesus speaking. O generation of vipers, how can ye, be, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Things. So here we find the heart principle. What resides in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. That's the Bible. So we ask ourselves, well, why, do, why then do curse words fly out of my mouth, right, every time somebody does something stupid in traffic? Because those words already reside in your heart, okay? Why do I slip into foul language when I'm around certain people, right? Because that foulness already resides in your heart. Why am I so quick to join in those raunchy jokes or that coarse humor? Because that coarseness and that raunchiness already resides in your heart. Don't be fooled, okay? Sin doesn't begin at the lips. Sin begins in the heart and comes out of the lips. Also, finally, let's, let's turn to Romans chapter 3. Again, this is another, we're going to start with a verse that should sound very familiar. It's part of the Romans road. When we're witnessing to people and, we, and if we use the Romans road, this is one of our stops along the road. But I want to take it a little further and look at what it's saying about us. Starting in verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Who is it talking about? Us, right? Us in our natural state. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. All this sounds very familiar, but let's move on. Verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Is this still talking about us? How many of us? All of us, right? Okay, then. Look at the next one. Their throat is an open, open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. You look at that pronoun there. Is that still talking about us? Yes. yes, it is. In our natural state, it's talking about us. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. Is that still talking about us? Amen. Yes, it is. So, there's the warning, right? Be careful how we use our tongues. But back to that question then. To what, God, to what standard then does God hold us in the words that we speak to each other? Turn to Matthew chapter 5. Just 
Just keep your fingers loose. Go keep on flipping. Matthew chapter 5. All right, just one verse here. But again, it is the Lord Jesus speaking. He says, But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So the context here is speaking of the futility and the uselessness of swearing oaths. And even, the, even Jesus says to his disciples, Look, just say yes when you mean yes, and say no when you mean no. Anything beyond that, in other words, vows and oaths, anything beyond that is a source of much evil. Those are the Lord's words. Do you think that Jesus understands human nature? Absolutely. That's why he's telling us this. He is warning us to refrain from saying things we don't intend to fulfill or to be bound by. Now, James chapter 5. Look over to James. We'll look at a, a verse in James chapter 5. And I think there's a, a, an interesting link here. Brother Ian, can you do me a favor, please? Can you, can you fill this back up, please? I'm just thirsty tonight. I don't know what that is. James chapter 5, we'll look at verse 12. It says, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven neither by earth, neither by any other oath. But let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. Does that sound familiar? Yes, we just read it. And who wrote this? James. James is the brother of Jesus. Right. So now, no doubt, he heard this from the lips of Jesus himself, possibly many times. And he took it to heart. And it became part of the written word of God. And so he says, lest he fall into condemnation. Now condemnation, he's not talking about salvation, okay? Remember when you read the book of James, the entire book of James is written to believers. So he's not talking about salvation. Uh, what he's talking about, though, is the trouble that we get ourselves in, by, into uh, by uttering words that we don't intend to own, either by performing them or by taking responsibility for them or by having our actions bound by them. However, there is more to consider, though, as it pertains to the responsibility that we bear for the words that we speak. And that's this. This is a very simple concept. Our words have power. Words have power. Not to manifest destiny now, okay? I am not part of the name it and claim it crowd. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. A lot of people teach this, a false teaching. If you just speak it and speak it into existence. No, that, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches. However, the Bible does teach, though, that our words do have power, though. They have the power to affect the lives of others for better or for worse. Let's turn to the book of Proverbs now, Proverbs chapter 18. And I'd like to have you all turn to these scriptures so you can see them for yourselves. I mean... As a pastor, I always don't take my word for it. Um, just see it in the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 18. And we'll look at verse 21. It says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. 
You can drive someone to death with your words. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Spoken or written, there is no difference. You can destroy someone's confidence. You can damage someone's sense of self-worth, right? Um, so be careful, right? Be careful who you yell at. Be careful who you chastise and how you chastise them. Be careful of the words that you say in anger, in wrath, the words that you say out of indignation or rage, because the simple fact is you can do unimaginable damage with your words. Alternately, though, your words can bring life. Words of affirmation, words of love, words of kindness. These words have the power of life. And just as in that earlier passage, the one that we looked at in, in, in James chapter 3, right? Just as in that earlier passage pointed out the contradiction, right, in our tongues, right? We should be careful that our words do not, do not contain such contradictions in this matter, too. You, I'll, I'll just put it like this. You cannot destroy someone and build them up at the same time. You can't, okay? You deceive yourself if you think you can do that. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Everybody doing all right? <laughs> okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Also very, very familiar passage of Scripture. We've probably heard this one dozens of times. But it's good advice. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So we should be measuring our words then for their usefulness in edifying others. And the problem is, right, is that when we utter foul language, when we use curse words, when we say hurtful things, we undermine our ability to testify of the grace of God. You got all this negative stuff coming out of your mouth. Nobody wants to hear the positive stuff. They're like, well, you know, what's this guy talking about? So instead, we should always try to, we should always strive to make our words uh, such that we build up our fellow man. And look, here's the thing. In every situation, right, there's always something negative you can say, no matter what. There's always something negative you can say, but why say it, right? And similarly, in every Situation, there's always something positive you can say, and we can choose that. Now, I'll give you an example of it. Was uh, tell you a story, right? Many years ago, um, I had gotten a new wallet, and uh, I was just joking around with my wife, right? And I decided to do a little bit of, uh, you know how, you know how ladies sometimes like to tell their man, hey, does this dress make me look fat, right, you know, and it's like, it's a trap, don't answer that, you know, if any men, if you don't know that, don't answer that question, <laughs> but anyway, so I thought I'd do a little bit of a gender role swapping, right, I had a new wallet, and I, and I put it in my back pocket, and I kind of turned to her, and I said, hey, babe, does, does this wallet make my rear end look fat, you know, and she said, she said, no, dear, you just look like a wealthy man. <laughs> I said, clever, very clever answer. See, women are smarter than men. She, she, that, was, that was a perfect answer. But she found something positive to say. You know? I was thankful for that. 
But anyway, finally, let's look at um, Colossians chapter 4. Don't get excited. That word finally doesn't mean we're almost done. It's just, I just wrote it, so I said it. Turn to uh, Colossians chapter 4. And we'll expound on this. Verse 6, we're going to read verse 6, and then we'll expound on this a little bit. So I think it's an important verse that it really bears on what we're talking about tonight. So uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. So let your speech be always with grace, right? Remembering that grace, right, has nothing to do with deserving, okay? It is not a respecter of persons or positions. Remember, grace in its purest form is what? Unmerited favor, right? It's given in a spirit of selfless love, and it does not depend on the worthiness of the receiver. That is grace, and our speech should be should abound in grace. Almost turned two pages here. It says it should be seasoned with salt. That is the salted flavor of one who has been transformed by the word of God. Jesus said that if we live our lives as if we have no such flavor, the flavor of sanctification, of preservation from this world's influence, then we are of no use. Again, the idea here is that measuring, measuring our language for usefulness, specifically for being useful to the purposes of God. And then always we should be ready at a moment's notice to bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ the goodness and the grace of God. And so the Bible tells us then that every word we speak either renders us ready to testify or else it puts, a dis- puts us at a disadvantage and it undermines our testimony. So we've uh, looked at a lot of scriptures. So what are we supposed to do, right? So what do we do with all that? We just looked at a whole bunch of scriptures. What do we do? Well... We'll look at some practical things, right? First of all, you can develop a filter. Has everybody ever met somebody who says, you know, I'm sorry, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I just don't have a filter. You ever hear that? It's like, well, you know, to that I say, grow up. Grow up. You need a filter. Everybody needs a filter. So I'm going to give you three things. And uh, it's, it's... these aren't the only three things. They're probably three things that are different from another three things that y'all heard somewhere else. But uh, just based on the scriptures that we've been looking at, uh, let's look at these three things. And we can pass our words through these filters, right? Number one, is it true, right? Is what we're saying true? Do you have enough personal knowledge to verify that what you're saying is true? Are you telling the whole truth? Or are you just telling the part that makes you sound look good, Right. Have you considered the source? Okay, are you repeating something you heard, or do you have firsthand knowledge of that thing? And sometimes we have to repeat, okay, that's how we pass information, right? But if you're going to do that, right, if you are repeating something, have you fully considered the character of the source? So that's number one. Is it true? Number two, does it build up or edify? So here's where we ask ourselves, is this necessary? Right? Is this necessary? Are you trying to encourage a brother toward holiness? Right? Well, if so, then what positive words will bring about that effect? And are you, or are you trying to discourage a brother from sinning? 
And so we think, well, what effect will my negative words have in that scenario? And then finally, how would I feel if someone spoke to me the way I'm speaking to them? So that's number two. Does it build up or edify? Number one, is it true? Number two, does it build up or edify? And then number three, are you willing to give an account for your words? Will you stand by your words? Even when private words, words that were said in private, suddenly become public, because we all know that happens, right? Say, hey, don't tell just between you and me. And then the next thing you know, you know, all your friends heard about what you said. Um, but see, here's the thing, right? Um, are we willing to give an account for our words? Say, no understanding, we, yes, we say things in confidence, but if they were to get out in public, would that be a problem? Would that cause us a problem? Would we be able to give a, a, an honest account of those, of those words and own them too and say, no, I didn't say that, you know? Would we, be, it would, be, would we be willing to own those words if they suddenly became public? Are you prepared to explain yourself to Jesus Christ himself? Because that's in the Bible too, right? It says one day we will give an account for every idle word. So let's remember that as well. And then are you saying something that you wouldn't openly say? Why are you saying it? Here's the problem with social media. This problem even with texting, right? Is that... It gives us an opportunity, it gives us a platform very often to say things that maybe we wouldn't actually say to anybody in person, but we put it on the internet, right? So this is what we need to think about, right? If you wouldn't say it to someone's face, right, then don't text it. If you wouldn't say it out loud in a room full of your friends, then don't post it on Facebook, okay? It's quite simple. So there's your three filters, right? But then what else can we do? Well, we can fill our hearts with the right things, right? Remember, we just looked at Matthew chapter 12, 34, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, right? Well, then, remembering that, let us mindfully and purposely fill our hearts, right, then, with the right things. We're all familiar. You don't need to turn there this time. Stop making you all turn through verses. I'll just read them to you, but... Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Everybody's familiar with this, but it says this. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What this speaks about is actively pursuing godliness in every aspect of our lives, including our speech, right, but really in all areas of our lives. Remember that godliness and goodness, okay, godliness and goodness are not the opposites of evil and corruption. They sound like opposites, okay, and they are in their definitions, right? But in the active sense, okay, when it comes to our actions, no, they are not opposite. It does not follow that if you avoid one, you will automatically achieve the other. In other words, just by avoiding evil, that doesn't mean you're going to automatically do what's good. You have to pursue what is good. That's why Philippians 4.8 is written the way it is. It's, it's written in the imperative. Do this. Do this. Not If you don't do that, then this will follow. It's, that's not how it's written. It's, it's telling us that we need to pursue those things. Um, you have to value them. You have to want them. And so you must pursue them. Just as we discussed the last time I was up here, for those of you who remember, right, just as we discussed, right, when we discussed the ability to see yourself, 
You know, and I said, you, you have to want it. You have to pursue it. It's something that you have to cultivate. Uh, these things do not happen by themselves. And you'll hear me say that a lot in every, almost every principle, every, every um, aspect of the Christian life in which, which we are um, encouraged to cultivate, right? It is something that we need to cultivate. It's not something that happens by itself. Like right now, you know, I was thinking about a pastor. Uh, he's right now preaching a, a series of sermons, right, about are you in? And he's got this list of eight things, right? And if you, if you notice, if you look at it, those of you who wrote it down, all of those things, none of those things are automatic. All of those things are, those are things you have to pursue. Those are things you have to decide you're going to do. Those are behaviors that need to be cultivated. So the Christian life very much is, is it's an active thing. It's, it's something that you have to pursue. So we're coming to the end here, but... Uh, Time out, right? Okay, so look, having done all these things though, right? Having passed our words through these filters, having made every possible consideration that we make, right? There's still gonna be times when we are misunderstood. As it happens, whether um, accidentally, which can happen, or on purpose, right? I mean, let's just face it, sometimes people just, they're just bent on misunderstanding you. And, uh, and it could be stupid things, okay? Uh, it could just be dumb, stupid things. I mean, your, your, your cousin's baby, right, comes out looking a little wrinkled. You say something, and the next thing you know, you said their baby was hideous, right? It's like, I didn't say that. You talk about how much you like the paleo diet, and all of a sudden you hate vegetarians. And that's not true, usually, right? Uh, you tell someone something in secret, right? Because you don't want to spoil surprise, right? Well, the one person you don't tell about it, they, they're told that, well, the reason why you didn't tell them is because you said they were a blabbermouth. It's like, that sounds ridiculous. All those three things I just told you are based on true stories from years ago. Okay, it's just, yeah, it happens. It happens. Sometimes you're just misunderstood. You didn't mean it. And sometimes, look, sometimes it's a fellow church member, okay? And it's nothing malicious, okay? Nothing malicious. It's just, we're, I mean, I'm talking about good, God-fearing Christians who work right alongside you in church, right? Once in a while, they're going to misunderstand something you say, okay? And then, and then sometimes, uh, you know, bad things will follow. There's a biblical principle, right? There's a biblical principle that says that if you have ought against a brother, then you're to go to them, right, and talk it out. But in these situations, right, that's not what happens, right? They go to their friends, they go to the pastor, and before you know it, you get accused and tried and convicted before you've even had a chance to defend yourself or say anything. It, it happens, right? I mean, are we agreed? These things happen. So what are we supposed to do in those situations? How do you handle these situations? Well, first of all, I would say, um, pray and examine yourself, right? Don't, don't assume you're innocent, for, for starters. But if you can pass your words through those filters, honestly, right, and in good conscience, then you've done your part, okay? And now you're going to want to tell your side of the story. Um, you're going to want to clear your name. You're, gonna, you're, you're going to want to set the record straight. But I'm telling you, wait, Christian, wait. Before you make any attempt to clear the air, I would advise that you pray again. Because if you have honestly done your due diligence in what you said, then at that point, it's time to be still and let God be God. Give, time, give God some time to work in that situation.
James chapter 1 says this. Again, you don't need to turn there. I'll just read it to you. James chapter 1 says this, starting in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Whatever it is God has allowed you to enter, He will see you through to the end if you respond with patience. And remember, I've said this before. There's patience and there's passion. I firmly believe that in any trial you find yourself, you will react in one of two ways. You will, you will react with patience or you will react with passion. And in a trial, the tendency is to react with passion. That is the quick and easy path, kind of like the dark side of the force, right? It's the easier path. But as Christians, we are called upon to be patient. And why? Because ultimately, the Lord is the defender of his children. I'll tell you what, I will have you look at this. Go ahead and turn, open, the book, open your Bibles to the book of Psalms. Turn to Psalm 121. I want you to see this for yourself. Psalm 121, starting in verse 1, it says this, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Here's a man who knows where his help comes from. Turn back down to Psalm. These are all going to be in Psalm. Psalm 46. Turn Psalm 46. Let's look at verse 1. Psalm 46, verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now turn a few pages back, Psalm 33. And there's lots of these. I'm just giving you a few of them. Psalm 33, verse 20. It says this, Our soul waiteth for the Lord, for He is our help and our shield. And then finally look at Psalm 18, verse 2. Let's read this together. Psalm 18, verse 2, and we'll start. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Do you all see it? Here's the thing. You trusted him with your soul. You trusted him with your eternal destiny. You trust him with your life. And so what I say to you in these situations is trust him in this situation. Time in. Okay. So finally, I'm going to leave you with this, with this thought. And here's where it kind of all is one way which it all kind of ties together. The most important words that you will ever share with people who cross your paths, whether in life, whether it's friendship or at work or anywhere else that you go, the most important words that you will ever share with people is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need to ask ourselves, and how will our words, how will your words 
not just those words, right? But all of your words. How will your words affect your ability to testify effectively? You remember the biblical principle of sowing. Again, you don't need to turn here, but Galatians 6, 7 says this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And 2 Corinthians 9, 6 reads this, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I believe that this also applies to the words that we speak. You are, at every moment, by the words that you speak, you're making yourself more effective for Christ or less effective. You are, at every moment, with the words that you speak, you're reflecting God's grace or you're hiding it. And so I say, measure your words carefully. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.